Welcome to the Rural Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Scottish Enterprise. I'm your host, Jane Craigie. Once a month, we will bring you an interview with one of the 650 people strong alumni from the Rural Leadership Programme. Hi, Alana. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. I'm going to start by asking you can tell even a few seconds into this podcast that you're not from these shores. Just give me a little bit of background about who you are and where you came from. How very dare you, Jane. I feel like I've been working on my Abedonian uh, accent, <laughs> but it is pretty obvious that my Antipodean roots kind of shine through. But uh, my name is Alana McLean, and I am originally from, although my last name does sound authentically Scottish, I am originally from central western New South Wales. So it's a very, very small town in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have any public transport. All we had was a pub and a disused railway station and 50 people that lived in the village of Rydal. So I'm one of like seven generations, I think, that have lived in that area. Um, Migrated out from Yorkshire, bringing it full circle. My dad migrated to Australia when he was 16 from Scotland. And I came back and met a lovely Scotsman and have put down roots in a little town called New Deer, which is kind of between, I guess, Torriff and Ellen. I I still, my geography of Scotland is very poor, Jade, so that could be well off and people will be writing in to complain, but that's as, as good as I can describe it. What do you do? What keeps you occupied during the day? So I guess my nine to five is I work in comms. Um, Most people have already kind of would be able to tell that I love a chat. So that's kind of brought me into the kind of creative space. So I do um, communications, press and media for Food Standards Scotland. So they are the public body concerning food and feed safety in Scotland. And then I guess um, in the afternoons, mornings and weekends, I'm a little bit of everything. So relief milker, bucket filler, gate opener, family mediator at times, um, anything that needs kind of doing, I kind of chip in (laughs) too, I suppose. You've got a very interesting background that you didn't touch on earlier, which is working in politics within New South Wales. Just tell us a little bit about that and also how you think that helps you with what you're doing currently. Yeah, so I guess when I was at uni, I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. I did a communications degree, which is, I guess, fairly broad. And a lot of the my fellow students were kind of off doing, you know, internships at the Today Show, which is like a flagship morning program on TV. And they had a lot of really great contacts. They're all from really urban areas. And I didn't really have much idea of what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. So my parents suggested I contact a a lady I'd known all my life, um, and they said she was quite well-known, a life member of the National Party, and I had no idea what that was or what they did, if I'm completely honest. I was, a like every other 19-year-old, really passionate about my social life and not about <laughs> public issues. So I And your single pub in Rydal. <laughs> yeah, with the single pub in Rydal and, and whatnot and living at, in campus at uni. So contacted Kmart and she said that she would get me an internship at the head office in Sydney of the National Party if I did some pre-poll pre-polling for her which is basically in Australia all the political parties they have volunteers and when people go in to vote you can hand them political materials basically to try and get them to vote for you so I was standing on you know every morning for two weeks handing people these pamphlets that I knew nothing about about politicians I'd had never met or read about 
And then I did a two-week internship at the head office. So it was really quite interesting because I'd been so naive to politics. I think I didn't really recognize how it impacted my everyday life. So, you know, my local members, we have three tiers of government in Australia. So we have local government, which is our councils. We have state government, which is, I guess, they provide the majority of the services in the state that I live in. And then we have federal government. So that's where our prime minister kind of sits. So we have those three tiers. And I had no idea about that, Jane, before I (laughs) I did this internship. (laughs) My mind was blown. And I think for me, it really just kind of highlighted that if you don't have an understanding of how policy works, um, how are you ever going to affect change? So that was one of the big things that kind of I understood. And also how political parties form their policy platforms. That's what really fascinated me as well. So you get, you know, everyday members um, from your local community, if they are a member of, you know, the National Party or the Labour Party or the Liberal Party, they then go to a general conference and they put up motions that matter to them, whether that's on water policy or environmental policy, anything like that. And that gets debated on the floor. And I really enjoyed that because I think debate is important. I think quite often in today's society, um, if you're not with me, you're against me. And I think that exchange of ideas quite often gets personal instead of onto the policy side or, you know, the issue side of things. Quite often, you know, my partner and I, we disagree on policy, but we don't disagree with the person, if that makes sense. So I think think something... I would love to see is that people are able to debate debate ideas and not, you know, people. So yeah, that's that's kind of really formed where I started. But I guess one of the big things was, you know, politics, it's really draining and it's 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 a young man's game and it's a lot of burnout. I worked in politics for four years and, and we did three election campaigns in that time and it's all consuming. So I had to step away from that, moved into a more traditional comms role for a charity and then to kind of keep my foot or my toe in rural kind of matters um, I created a project on farming succession which is kind of how I made my way to Scotland as you know you know I reached out to the rural youth project and that's kind of you know changed the trajectory of my life really. That background having worked with you I see that shine through that that confidence and innate knowledge in how policy works but also how you can influence it and why it matters and I, th- I think you know certainly in the role that you're in now where you're looking at um, I suppose nutrition health and everything that goes with that that having that policy understanding really helps your day-to-day job. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because, you know, we sit, Food Standards Scotland is an independent body. So um, we are accountable to um, Scottish Parliament. So it's quite interesting. I don't sit within the policy team, but um, getting an understanding of, you know, how how they formulate policy in in regards to, you know, certain acts and bills that are put forward. And even just Scotland, like Food Standards Scotland's remit is part of the the Food Act. So um, I don't have as much knowledge of um, UK government and policy you know it's quite different in terms of the chambers of government so in Australia we have a senate and a house of representatives so I really like the fact that um, you know legislation from the house of reps will then go up to the senate to be scrutinized and then go back down again whereas I find I think in the UK I know you have the house of lords and obviously Holyrood but that's only one chamber in Holyrood so I think that makes it a quite interesting dynamic in terms of having that debate because quite often the chambers will be controlled by different political parties so that means that you know there's a lot more scrutiny like bills don't get through quite as easy if that makes sense you can't just get a bill through from a simple majority you have to work across parliamentary lines and that's healthy very healthy 
And Alana, you are uh, the first person that I've spoken to on this podcast who um, did their rural leadership program online during mm-hmm. the COVID period, which I know changed it immeasurably, which, you know, just by the very nature of, of being digital. But I know that you also still got a lot out of it, irrespective of the format. Uh, why did you apply to it? And what did you get out of it? I think I applied to the Rural Leadership Program is because obviously colleagues at the time like yourself and Susanna Pate and Rebecca Dawes, you'd all done it and kind of said how much you'd you'd gotten out of it. And from participating in like leadership programs back in Australia, I know just how beneficial they are and how much they can really change your life. So for example, the ABC Haywire Trailblazers Program absolutely transformed my life to the fact that I moved to Scotland and then, you know, met my husband and things like that. So I just know that the power of, you know, putting people together that might not be like-minded, but, you know, both have the same goals of improving their businesses or improving rural Scotland um, can really challenge your thinking and make you be better. So that's kind of why I applied, but I I will say, you know, I applied the, the previous year and I didn't get in because I don't think my goals for the program were strong enough. And I think I took that year of reflection to be like, okay, well, what do I actually want out of this program? So I I reapplied and I would really encourage anyone if you haven't been able to, or you haven't been successful the first time to always try again and have a reflection about why you might not have gotten on that first time. So the, I did, I think it was 21, 2020 and 21 was the year I did the um, rural leadership program and even though it was online you know I think COVID and it's really funny thinking back to that kind of period it's such an odd time in I think all of our lives but it was kind of like a really nice anchor towards the end there and I think especially during the end of that year when we knew we were going straight back into lockdown again it was really nice knowing that I think it was twice a week for however many weeks I'd be you know jumping on a call stepping out of my professional life at that time or professional mind and then going into this kind of rural leadership mindset so you know being challenged on my leadership qualities or um, where I'd like to go in my professional life or in my personal life and I think that was really nice during a time where you know it wasn't a very nice time for us all Um, so that was kind of the experience even though it was online you know we still made some really meaningful connections I still catch up with two of the um, rural leaders that were in my group and I, I've seen them quite a few times since since that program but for me it was you know kind of a bit of a bright spark and a bit of a dim time for everyone so it was a really positive experience. I think that, that for anybody listening that I think frames you so well as a person Alana you find the positive and the brightness in in everything that you do usually with a little bit of Aussie cynicism thrown in but I love that about you what keeps you so positive and optimistic and how do you think it helps you in kind of managing the challenges and also the the changes in your life I think the reason why I'm so optimistic, I think, um, is probably from my learnings of the Rural Leadership Program. It's probably my personality disposition a bit as well. Like I'm quite a outgoing and, you know, extroverted person. But I think as well, especially in my professional life, in my first 
real job out of high school. I, I did a year of dental nursing, which I know is really odd, but I learned a lot, mostly on oral hygiene, but I also learned a lot about how to be at work. One of, we did a training day and, and one of my bosses said, you know, you always want to be a radiator and not a drain it, at work. No one wants to be around a drain at work. And I've always, always kept that with me, like that advice. So I think about that often, you know, people and everyone, you, you hate to say it, but everyone knows a drain when you come across them and it's just, it's yeah. a bit of a, okay, I need to take a deep breath if I need to contact this person or work with this person. And I never want people's interactions with me to be like that. They probably think I'm an exhausting in another way, uh, <laughs> but but I never want it to be because I'm, you know, uh, I'm always negative or something like that. I think there's always something positive to find in any situation, which I think annoys my husband to no end because I'll always be like, well, what about this? Maybe it's because of this. And um, I think sometimes, you know, a bit of doom and gloom keeps everyone level. But I don't know. I think it's perhaps just my innate nature um, to find happy mm. things. And you certainly are a radiator, but I, I think positivity breeds positivity and yeah. breeds opportunity. And I know also within that, I would I would never describe you as anybody who's pushy in any way, but you do take opportunities. You see opportunities and you take opportunities and also you make opportunities. Okay. What drives you to do that? I get bored really easily, I think, is... <laughs> is like the basis of that. So I think it's just sometimes you have to make your own, not so much fun, but you have to make your own, like you have to create your own interests and you have to create your own, um, like you said, opportunities. So whether that's, um, you know, once I finish politics, I'm like, well, I still love rural Australia. I still have a lot of things I want to do. I'm going to create this project. And it's things like that, you know, getting involved in volunteer opportunities. We've been volunteering, like my mum's had us volunteering since we we're five years old, we were always involved in the local community events. And I think if you don't take opportunities that are presented to you, they're just going to, they're not going to wait for you either. So I think there's no point sitting by and, you know, wondering, oh, I wish that was me because no one's going to make that happen, but yourself, no one's going to stop and turn around and say, oh, do you want to come with us? Like quite often that doesn't happen. I'm sure there are opportunities or there are times when people do reach the hand back, but it doesn't happen nearly enough. So people need to be pushy. And that's probably people think that's got negative connotations. Like people think ambitious has negative connotations, but, um, you know, you've just got to do, if you want something, you've just got to go for it, I suppose. Yeah. And it's also the way you do it. Oh, of course. Indeed. If you do it with kindness and, and with good grace and don't be afraid to ask, I think that makes all the difference to thinking that you deserve something. There's a difference to thinking you deserve something, to wanting something and going after it and achieving that goal for sure. And Alana, another thing that I know is is really important to you and you do very well is you are, and it may be to do with the time that you've spent in politics, but you are exceptional at keeping abreast with um, current affairs on, on so many levels, social, political, international. How do you think that helps you? And, and also, what would you advise other people to do if, if then they feel they're not doing enough of that? Uh, it's really kind that you say that because I'm always thinking, I'm like, oh, I need to be reading more. And I, I read a lot. And I think the great thing about having a smartphone is that you have, you know, access to various news sites and whatnot at your fingertips. So I quite often will browse. And I think it's also the nature of our jobs as well, Jane. Like we've, uh, part of our jobs is that we have to be on the news. Like if something, something's trending and we don't alert, you know, clients or, or our senior um, bosses about it, like that's on us. So I think perhaps that's a comms thing, but for any advice of people who do want to 
perhaps be kept more abreast is, you know, I read the news probably, I don't like to sit and watch the news at night because that's when I'm trying to decompress, but I will quite often um, look at it three or four times a day on my phone, like the BBC news. Um, I'll go into the Scotland section. Um, I still keep up with the Australian news. So I go into our national broadcast um, service there. And then because like many, I think rural leaders, there's not much downtime. Podcasts are probably my best friend. So I can, you know, clean the house. I can feed the calves. I can, you know, when I'm driving to work, I'm constantly listening to um, current affairs or political podcasts or, you know, just trying to keep abreast of what's happening. So that's probably how I do it. And then I read a lot for fun, but that's usually not very newsworthy. I'm into a real crime spree at the moment, which I think is probably not that positive, but um, no, I'm, uh, I just try to keep abreast that way, I suppose. And I think going back to your point you made earlier about debate and, you know, you can't debate, you can't have your own views if you're not feeding your um, your own ideas and and, yeah. and and your knowledge, really, because you mm-hmm. can't you can't debate fully if you don't do that. Yeah, indeed. And I think, you know, too often we don't want to talk to people who disagree with us, but that's the best way to find out why they think a certain way. And, um, you know, it could be because of personal reasons. It could have be, could be because of policy reasons, could be all different manner of reasons. But I think that's always an opportunity to learn and every day should really be a school day. So, um, you know, talking to people, understanding their why, I think is really important. And you just learn from that, I think. And Alana, you, you've got a unique perspective really about rural Scotland because you've come from somewhere else but you've also come from another country's rural places mm-hmm. what do you think Scotland does well and what do you think Scotland does not so well in in mm-hmm. a rural sense and what have you seen in Australia that you think could work well here so something I think Scotland does um, really really well and they probably won't think they do it that well but I think um, connection with the countryside especially for rural young people is something I think is super impressive so I think the fact that you've got great organizations like RET and SAYFC really helps you know continue when young people move away um, they might still be involved in their local young farmers club and things like that so they've always got that connection to kind of come back whereas in Australia I think geographically it's much tougher for us to have you know, young farmers clubs. There's, there is a young farmers attached to like the main lobbying body um, in, in my state, New South Wales Young Farmers, but um, I don't think they're nowhere near as active as the Scottish Young Farmers. Like I just find it so impressive what they achieve and um, the buy-in that young people have for those clubs. Um, so I think that is something that I think is really impressive. I also think the cooperation between different organizations within Scotland like different rural organizations is really impressive so um, I think those are the main ones that I think Scotland does really well in terms of what they don't do so well I'll have to take that on notice probably Jane and get back to you so Lana Julian Pace is retiring which I can't quite believe on the 1st of November Um, he's been such a big presence in so many of our lives and the Rural Leadership Programme was his brainchild after having seen similar programmes in other parts of the world. What has Julian meant to you and and what he's developed with the Rural Leadership Programme but also wider within Scottish enterprise? I had um, the absolute pleasure of meeting Julian for the first time I think in 2018 in a very muddy wet field um, in Kinross and everyone had told me it'd been the best summer yet but I just thought if this is summer in Scotland you've not got me convinced and I met Julian there and he was just 
such a warm and welcoming person for someone who you know just stepped off the plane and really knew no one he was really quite generous in in reaching out his hand and and giving the time to get to know me and then subsequently you know we traveled to the Netherlands and he set up this fantastic trip between Scottish Enterprise Rural Leaders and um, young people so I was part of the Rural Youth Projects delegation that went and I think what really stuck out to me is that Julian has such a generosity of spirit so whether that's you know with time or with advice and he's he's always got such a way of thinking differently about issues or problems or ways that rural communities can work and I think that's been such a boon to the Scottish Enterprise Rural Leadership Program and you know anyone else could have you know set up a rural leaders program but it wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't for Julian Pace behind the helm. So Lana what do you think Scotland does well. You've got experience from another heavily rural country with all of the challenges therein. It would be great to hear what you think with that reflection, what Scotland does so well rurally, because I think it's always easy to beat countries up, beat politicians up for all the things they're not doing. Um, But actually, there's a lot of good. And I know that you believe that. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, I was so when I first came to Scotland, I think I was bowled over by um, organizations such as um, you know the Scottish Association of Young Farmers there's just nothing like that where I was from in Australia you know if you wanted to connect um, with like-minded young people in a rural area you had to go to things called a BNS ball which I tell you what Jane they're not giving you the same great skills that SAYFC are um, in Scotland and if anyone wants to know what is involved in a BNS ball I'm not going to describe it for you because your opinion of me will um, dramatically fall, but you can Google um, what a BNS ball is. But that those those were the only events where rural young people would come together. And I think, you know, my husband and I have talked about this, how much of a positive stepping stone it was for him. You know, he met other young people and they were given you know, a really safe space to talk about things that they loved and they learned really important skills like speech making and how to chair, um, you know, a meeting. And this is all at such a young age. And I think, you know, having these positive environments for young people in rural areas, I think is just um, something, it's, it's a jewel in the crown, so to say. And I think as well, organisations such as RET, um, you know, getting young people or young kids from urban areas out onto farms, it's just not something that I'm aware of that happens in Australia. And it's kind of, you know, everything can always be done better. And I'm sure there's people in Scotland that say it's not being done well enough in either of those two respects, but I just think it's world-class what's, what's happening. Alana, I know that you've applied to to go to the Oxford Farming Conference as one of the Inspire delegates, which is a, a leadership related program, people involved in agriculture between 30 and 45 years old. Why did you apply and what are you hoping to get out of that experience? So I guess the Oxford Farming Conference, it's something I've watched from afar for the past couple of years. So, you know, uh, it was online for a while and I, and I have seen a, a lot of talk about the um, event itself and, and what an important scene setter that is for the year ahead happening in January and whatnot. And I guess for a number of reasons, I've just never been able to attend. But the reason I applied for the Inspire program is I think to enable people to, you know, um, improve their communities and to, you know, continue to build value into their rural businesses, you have to give them space away from their farms and their jobs. And I think from knowing past participants of the Inspire program, it does a fantastic job of doing that. And I think more importantly, expanding your network. So meeting people from outside of Scotland or, you know, across the UK who have 
similar goals of, you know, continuing their farming business or their rural business or their professional careers in agriculture is really important to continuing leadership potential and making sure that we're contributing positively back to the community. And I think something else that really um, stood out to me this year in particular is the theme. So it's all about diversity this year. And I think it's something that agriculture really needs to face up to is the fact that we need to look at how we represent ourselves to the rest of society. So the rest of society is not white and it's not, you know, male and it's, you know, it's very varied. We've got cultures from across the world who call the UK home and we have to make sure that they see and connect with our farming story. And, you know, there's a whole host of farmers across the UK that don't fit in the traditional box of agriculture. And for those who can't see me, which is all of you, I'm air quoting, you know, traditional box of agriculture. And I think I've, you know, it's really difficult because agriculture has given me so much in the UK. It's it's really helped me. It's helped me, you know, progress my career. But I'm conscious that if we don't start reaching the hand back and making sure that people come on this journey with us, it's going to continue to have the same issues. So I think it's a real opportunity that UK agriculture needs to embrace and we need to have these tough conversations. We need to learn how to be better allies. And by joining the Inspire program at OFC's conference this year, I think we'll be really able to make meaningful strides towards that. Yeah, that's a lovely answer and and just so rich in in the need of the industry. And it's a really fitting note to to end on, Alana. I am going to ask you one more thing. So one of the great things that the Rural Leadership Programme does is it inspires you to do more, to be better, to stretch yourself. What bit of advice would you give to anybody who's thinking of doing it or anybody that's perhaps struggling and you know having been on the rural leadership maybe 10 years ago and needs a little burst of inspiration what piece of advice would you give them it's never too late to change direction or change your mind or change what you want to do with your business or your professional career and I think sometimes having the space or the safe space to explore that with people who aren't going to judge you who are going to be there to offer support and will be able to give you some coaching in the right direction is really important and I think sometimes you know having a better understanding of yourself can be the first step and I think that's what I gained from the rural leadership program is okay understanding my motivations I think some of the things that you know uh let me down um, at times that I have to be really conscious of that, you know, I'm not a great details person. So I have to really um, <laughs> push myself when it comes to that. <laughs> and I think it's just, you know, all about self-awareness. And I think once you have a good sense of self, you then tend to back yourself a lot more when it comes to your decisions and you have the confidence to take those strides forward. So I think if anyone's on the fence about it, um, pick up the phone to a rural leader if you know one no doubt you probably will with the program having been going on for so long and I'm sure they'll probably tell you exactly what I have although perhaps with different um, examples that money that you invest in yourself is money well spent yeah lovely lovely note to end on thank you Alana pleasure anytime to keep in touch with the Scottish Enterprise Rural Leadership Alumni interviews and insights Sign up to the Rural Anchor Group on LinkedIn and keep up to speed with news via our monthly newsletter. Thanks for listening.